are listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Uh, so, so who is this? Is it Jim Gordon, famous rock drummer who died after killing his mother? Is it Joe Jackson, famous imitation Elvis Costello singer? Or is it Glenn Youngkin, governor of Virginia? I was going to say it looked like a young Walter Isaacson, but that's not on the menu. Um, Glenn Youngkin. Correct. Uh, and and uh, so here's my completely uh, absurd train of thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Joe Jackson wrote, has this song called Won't You Be My Number Two, Me and Number One Are Through, okay? But I have found that when you're interested in a woman and you're like the second in line and she breaks up with number one, number two, you, you'll never, you're dead. She never goes out with number two. Okay. She doesn't? Doesn't, no. You've been pursuing the wrong kind of women, Mickey. I finally, I have finally it, diagnosed your problem. People aren't that people. You need aren't rational that, actors. Always pursue rational actors. It's not like they go down Maslow's hierarchy of needs and say, okay, I'll take number two. Uh, I'm down to they're, Mickey. They're pissed off. They don't they're depressed at the thought of going out with Mickey number two. Yeah. So they, oh. they they never go with number two. You want to be number three, okay? Now, this transfers into the presidential race. Uh, if Tr- Trump and DeSantis are going head-to-head, okay, we want to take out Trump. But if you take out Trump, somehow you have to give Trump the satisfaction of destroying number two, who is Ron DeSantis. Okay. Because you have to get him emotionally uh, sated so he doesn't wreak havoc in the general election by urging a na- nationwide write-in campaign or telling his base to stay home. You have to let him get his rocks off by destroying number two. Uh, so that... So wait, 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 you've got to... Say that again? I mean, right now he's being quite effective at this, uh, about... Uh, at, at, at sort of dragging down DeSantis in the polls. It's, it's a temporary okay. thing, but... Uh, and that's uh, a mistake to drag him down too fast, you're saying? No, I... I no, I just think... The obvious compromise is you let him drag down DeSantis. Meanwhile, everybody else drags him down. And the way he can, can uh, you know, exit the race with a with a, his pride intact is to say, I took down this asshole DeSantis who was disloyal to me, who the press was pushing. And then you move on to number three, who is somebody like Glenn Youngkin, governor of Virginia, who seems perfectly uh, acceptable as a presidential candidate. Uh, and uh, is not Trump and not Ron DeSantis. So you want to provide I, Trump a face-saving exit, kind of by, by letting him just by letting him conquer somebody. Okay, and that person would be DeSantis. I like DeSantis. I'd rather have DeSantis than Youngkin. I'd like to pause and try to make sure I get the connection between your theory of women in this, but I think that would be a serious it's, mistake. I think that's a mistake. I've tried to make this connection. But, um, but uh, the point so, okay. is, so we the want, point is, we you want don't want to be to number two, happy, you John. want to be number three. I see. Um, number number two is is the focus of all of Trump's ire. Number three is not at the moment. 
Okay, but it seems to me that that's a more straightforward explanation of why you don't want to be number two, because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna attract the ire of right. number one, who is Trump and is famously destructive. So okay, well that you you simplified you simplified. Yeah, I'm, the I'm afraid we have to. <laughs> we now have no need for that analogy that made no sense in the first place. I, I regret to inform you that your hopelessly um, confused analogy is even worse than hopelessly confused. Not completely. It's not completely irrelevant. Somebody breaks up with somebody. They want to get. They want to. They they're pissed off. They want to take it out on somebody. Yeah. You know. So. Um, anyway. I see. I see. But that doesn't. But that. Oh well. This would be an argument <laughs> about female psychology, which we don't want to get into. Well, it's everybody's actually, psychology. I I don't know if it's actually sexual sexual psychology is 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 the area where there's the strongest theoretical Darwinian argument for asymmetries, but. Uh, we yeah, I think there is an asymmetry in this case, actually. Um, so, Mickey. Uh, but anyway, um, so that's mm. uh, that's my latest. You know, the, I, I, I think I, it's I still, probably a bad time, by the way, to ask people to smash the like button, right? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't um, make any sense. But folks, I, if for whatever I, perverse reason you're liking us right now, I I, I still think I still think DeSantis is well positioned. I th I liked. What he told Tucker Carlson about Ukraine, uh, there was this phrase "territorial dispute," which seems to stick in people's craws. But including it's better, mine, it's okay. It's better that you admit it's better than saying we must arm Ukraine uh, because it is a uh, existential fight of autocracy versus democracy, and we have to, you know, it's vitally important to America. So it was better that he, better that he Where? said what he said. There are a lot of a lot of things better than that. Your analogy with women is better than that. What's what's so terrible about territorial uh, dispute? dispute? It is a territorial oh, come dispute. On. I mean, actually, it's interesting. You know, last week I was saying I thought that that the Ukraine could well turn out to be a political liability for Biden as he heads into a general election. If God forbid he is a nominee, and uh, you know, I said because the Republicans can say, look. You made no attempt to negotiate to head off this invasion. And then you spent a ton of money people getting a ton of people killed, and the Russians have more land than they would have had if you had tried to negotiate and succeeded. And you said, uh, I said, you know, Biden's opponents, Republican opponents can say that. And you said, and you would say that too, right? And I said, yeah. And then afterwards I thought, but I'm not like the Republican opponents because actually they may well not get into the part about his failure to negotiate. They just don't focus on that kind of stuff. But this is the other difference between me and them is, you know, the right-wing version of restraint is sometimes just like dismissive of, uh, you know, faraway parts of the world as if they have no consequence for America. I don't believe that. And I believe the principle of territorial integrity is important. And Russia violated the sovereignty of uh, of a country. And it's actually pretty weird to think that we might have a president who refers to that as a territorial dispute. I mean, after all, Russia itself recognized Ukraine's sovereignty for many years. It, there's no controversy. It's not, not like Taiwan, where virtually nobody recognizes it. it, it it's a little... It, anyway, this is character... This kind of thing you often kind of hear from the right, like, oh, fuck those guys. America doesn't need to think about the, the faraway world. I, I think America does. I have other issues, as you know, with the way Biden has handled the Ukraine thing. Um, so anyway, that's why I don't I, I that 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 really s s 
stuck out when I saw it, uh, a mere territorial dispute. And by the way, what we're talking about is Tucker Carlson asked a bunch of Republican presidential candidates to send him statements about their foreign policy vision or about Ukraine or something. And this is DeSantis's we're talking about. I don't think, uh, first, I don't, you know, half of the half of the Republican Party are neocons who think we should be vitally concerned with every little tit and jottle that happens in the whole world. So, uh, well, That's moreover, that, they buy not, the autocracy. Yeah, not, I mean, they not that they, part of the Republican Party. You're, you're talking about the isolationist wing that says those people are far away and they're right. They're the, they're inferior third world culture cultures and fuck them. And the trouble with the, with the uh, with the neocons is they think, yeah, it's it's our mission to intervene in the internal affairs of every country in the world and remake it in our image. You know, that's the other extreme. Right. I don't. Well, like. but I think I think. I don't think this, you know, first, uh, territorial dispute does not say, you know, screw, they're an unimportant country and screw them. It says it's a territorial dispute of, of that is not, we should not interfere with. It's not, it's not a vital national interest. It doesn't mean that they're, they're not worthy countries and we can forget about them because they're the third world. It does ignore the fact that Russia invaded a country in mm-hmm. a very aggressive way. Uh, but even that we would ignore if it was two obscure countries in Africa, one aggressed the other. Uh, we would try to solve the problem, but we wouldn't think it was a vital national interest where we had to send massive, massive military aid. The problem is he did this on the doorstep of well, Europe, yeah. and that makes it a more a, a bigger deal. Well, yeah. DeSantis ignored that part, but he has plenty of time to correct it. And Everything he said is completely consistent with doing exactly what we're doing and exactly what you would want him to do. He didn't say he's going to cut off aid. Right. Uh, he uh, he he said he was going to implied he was going to nudge the Ukrainians into cutting a peace deal. He didn't say he was going to abandon them. He just said he's not going to send them F-16s. So uh, he's right for the wrong reasons, and I think that's better than being wrong for the wrong reasons. Well, I mean, what you're pointing to is that although kind of stylistically he came off as Trumpist, that was the tone. If you look at the substance of what he said, there wasn't all that much daylight between him and Joe Biden. Joe Biden's well, not sending F-16s, you know? Uh, right. But, we, uh, but, but you, presumably you have some criticism of Joe Biden for not leaning hard enough on the Ukrainians, and he would endorse that. He's where you are. You, your dispute with him is 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 mainly about this. Yeah. One but, phrase, territorial dispute. Which I, is, I think it's a very significant phrase. It really does represent uh, a difference that would manifest itself in a lot of ways between kind of like left what? of center restrainers uh, and right of center. Well, well like I mean, for example, I, I would work hard uh, to secure United Nations um, support for condemning and even intervening in the case of uh of a of a violation of sovereignty that's all good by me and i think you know these guys first of all don't barely even can stand the idea of invoking the un to do anything and moreover they they don't care about international law okay right, but i have the, the 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 number of people who care in, intensely about international law and make that their guiding light is few is, is very few. It's not. It's, it's even not on the 90, left. I agree. It's not ninety percent of the Democratic Party. The its main adherents are half of this conversation. You, 
I'm pretty uh, much the only person, so far as I can tell. That's true. No, but uh, it's 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 it, you're so it's 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 a little weird to condemn him for not embracing a position that two percent of the America believes in. I mean, if there were if there were a dispute between right. India and China over Kashmir, which there is, you would say it's a territorial dispute. It's not in our vital national interest. You're not saying yeah, but India and Kash India and Kashmir are pieces of shit we shouldn't care about. We're not saying they're not uh -huh. a th not important to the United States. We're saying it's a territorial dispute that's not our, not in our vital interest. That's a reasonable no, but, thing to do. Uh, it's, I, not, it's not dismissive of the rest of the world. But, but leave leave aside like borders and sovereignty. And again, I would not, I don't think the U.S. should intervene if it isn't sanctioned under international laws. We did in Iraq as we did in, in Kosovo and so on. But uh, But leave all that aside, just the idea of engagement in the world. I mean, I'm sure I could list Five initiatives I think we should pursue wholeheartedly having to do with, uh, you know, constraining like weapons in space or bioweapons or various things. And for that reason, cultivating better relations with China so we can get this shit done and so on, where, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know where DeSantis is. He's posing a, kind of as a Trumpist. So I'll just talk about the Trumpist foreign policy view, which 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 I know is disdainful of global governance. And in many of the cases I'm citing, they'd say, no, fuck that shit. We're going to dominate space, man. And, and you know, they, they just, uh, and they just, they just don't see genuine connections between America's self-interest and cultivating the rule of law uh, without all the hypocrisy that has characterized our traditional so-called cultivation of it and doing various other things uh, I mean, I mean, like, uh, like, like vaccines, uh, you know, we, we, uh, there's a, uh, there's a little item today in today's uh, non-zero newsletter. That's this, this week's plug of it about, um, you know, a bunch of uh, international notables signed a letter uh, saying that, that next time we should, we should uh, more aggressively curtail international property protection so we can get the vaccines out to the world. Uh, you know, people on the right tend not to care about this shit. Well, but nothing, nothing in the first. We don't know that much about what Trump's actual specifics are in terms of his Ukraine policy. Mm -hmm. Second, you're attacking Trump, not the Senate. The Senate is a all blank right. slate. We, well, for all we know, he would go gung ho for well, a vaccine that's the policy, thing. and that's nothing in territorial dispute says he wouldn't. You would still characterize. India versus China as a territorial dispute, even if you wanted to have a global vaccine program, okay? He's obviously not going to buy into world government. I agree. He's not going to buy into international law. I agree. World government but, is not the phrase. It's global governance, but go ahead. I thought you used world government in your I never, post op -ed. I never use world government in, in anything. I use global, global governance, governance is, and I, I've been doing it religiously for and decades. Global governance is different from world government because... Well, it's, first of all, it's different in connotation. It doesn't it doesn't freak out the black heli helicopter people quite as much, and the Elon Musk's quite as much, and the Peter Thiel's quite as much, and all, all the all the people who fear uh, totalitarian world government. But also, it is it is the the the, the aspiration is different. I didn't expect there to ever be a centralized go world government. I expect there to be overlapping international agreements and bodies, some of which are regional in nature, and some of which are this, and some of, you address the problems as they come, and there's no single government handling them all. You have these different treaties, and they overlap sometimes, and and and, and it's just a, it's a more diffuse. Okay. All right. 
but, in, the, but ad hoc. It, there's thing. nothing in saying territorial dispute that, that, that says that Sassanis doesn't want to be involved in the world. I, I agree. He's probably not going to buy global governments, but he has your policy on Ukraine, and you're saying you don't like him because he has your policy on Ukraine, but he doesn't also believe in global governance. I just think that's overreacting a bit to I mean, those two words, which are unfortunate, but, but because he should have said more, yeah. but they're not wrong in themselves. I was just using them to illustrate a larger point. I, it wasn't so much a comment on him. It was about okay. my ideology and the rights and the difference between the two, because sometimes people conflate them. I mean, for example, like, like, uh, you know, Quincy is a think tank that is this diverse coalition of restrainers, and it, it it includes people across the board. But there are differences within that coalition, and I'm just pointing to one. Now, um, the uh, I, I wonder, I I would steer people to a piece by Daniel Larison in his newsletter, Unomia, where you know he makes the argument. I mean, you said you you said that DeSantis is on Ukraine roughly where I am. Uh, Daniel makes the argument that DeS that DeSantis, judging by this statement almost isn't anywhere in particular. It's a masterfully constructed statement that leaves him a ton of wiggle room. And, sure. and, and in fact, overlaps tremendously with Biden's position on Ukraine and, and, and DeSantis by, through a combination of kind of artful language and exaggerating how reckless Biden has been. Um, manages to make it sound like there's some big difference but 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 daniel says you you read the thing and and it, it's just it's not saying all that but he's, much. he's rejecting the war of democracy versus autocracy and he's rejecting the ann applebaum we need to crush yeah. we need to defeat putin and you know and and perhaps you know if he's deposed that'd be great look and, uh, and he and he succeeded in alienating them jennifer rubin ran a Washington Post column whose headline was something like uh, DeSantis uh, comes out as a Putin apologist, MAGA, right. something. Well, you're, you're a Putin apologist, too, I, in the um, lights uh, of these people. I, I have been called one. Uh, yeah. um, I, of course, who, <laughs> contend that I'm not. But Who do you, who do you, um, who do you think wrote it for, for DeSantis? My nominee is David Sachs. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think Sachs has sounded very supportive of DeSantis, but I have no idea what the relationship is. I assume they've met. I have no idea. Um, you know, I look, have, DeSantis has have, foreign policy people. I have some. He does. Okay, I have some idea. It it just it 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 seemed like that thought crossed my mind. I wondered. Uh, anyway, it 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 seemed like I love David Sachs. Sometimes he he says things in a little doctrinaire way. That, that, that sort of presented too neatly wrapped up. And, you know, the neat, neatly wrapped up way to sell the, this to the American people is it's just a territorial dispute. You know, it's it, 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 we shouldn't even worry about it at all when obviously we should worry about it. So uh, it's a sort of thing he... Uh, I, I, I haven't heard, him, he use, I haven't I heard him use that phrase, but... Okay, but, okay, because um, you, you had a dialogue with him and uh, yeah, he was I on didn't the hear it and he didn't talk like that. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. But... um. Uh, anyway, that was uh, you, I, I, oh, that reminds you're right, me. He, you're right. He left himself a whole lot of wiggle room, but I just think you've confined him. You have this island of the dicks. Okay, <laughs> you can find people who you say, you say Peter Thiel is a dick, Trump is a dick, the Sanders is a dick, Elon Musk is a dick. I assume there are some people on the left who are dicks, but and I thought of one last week, but I forgot who it was. But it's sort of like he can't do anything right. Has any of these dicks? 
ever well, done yeah. something you, you know, thought I, was I just, right that got them off the island of the dicks, at least temporarily? Well, you know, you know what, uh, the, whoever the head of Ford was, it was an actual Ford, uh, said to, uh, you know, what's his name, uh, Iacocca, Lee Iacocca, when he fired him, and Iacocca asked why, you know what he said. Uh, you're a dick and you're not my dick? No. Uh, no, he said, sometimes you just don't like a person. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the people, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and Ron DeSantis wrote me the wrong way, but I, I can actually articulate what I don't. You know, think what I don't the like. Point about is it. It's once not you, personal. I, I, once, you, once, you, personal. once you've turned them into Lee Iacocca, they can't escape. There's nothing they ever do that you ever give them credit for. There Here's is the Sanders could have gone full neocon. He was a neocon in the past. He didn't do that. He should get some credit for it. Let me just let me just make one thing clear. There is an amount of money Elon Musk could give me that would transform my opinion of him. And it you do it's in it's in six figures. It's not even seven figures, okay? You wouldn't settle for a Tesla X? The one, well, no, I would have settled for the one, the, before they lowered the price of the one just over 100,000, I would have, but they lowered it to like 99. And no, look, what do I do? What kind of person do you think I am? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the X. I didn't realize it was under 100,000. Yeah, it's it's got to be six figures. Um, um, Get some options. Um, Anyway, um. So I want to talk about Ukraine late uh, at some point, but we've kind of talked, maybe we should take a little break. Uh, and yeah. Speaking of Peter Thiel, mm. so elsewhere on, on your island of the dicks. Uh, it's a good he, title for a sequel to Planet of the Apes or something. But. <laughs> uh, everybody thinks Peter Thiel sparked the run on Silicon Valley Bank because his founders fund sent a notice to its clients saying, which is true, you know, this bank is troubled and it costs you nothing to move your money out. It's all upside if you move it out now. There's no downside. You might as well do it. Uh, uh, but he himself told Julian Ted of the Financial Times that he had $50 million, which got stuck in Silicon Valley Bank. So he didn't get that money out. He was in, in the mess with everybody else. Wait, he had how much uh, money? $50 million. That's chump change to him, isn't it? Chump change it's to him. Not I don't quite, know how, it's not quite. No. It's not it, quite it, chump change to him. I don't anybody. know how many billions he has, actually. How, I don't how, either. So, um, uh, anyway, less than, less my heart goes out. Thoughts um, and prayers. Thoughts no, and prayers. but the point the, the point is, um, the government is faced with this weird situation where, uh, in all these banks that are not too big to fail, uh. If you're over the two hundred fifty thousand dollar insured limit, does the you know, does the government insure in effect insure no. you anyway the way it did with Silicon Valley Bank? And the argument is no, they shouldn't do it uh, because the that way you know depositors can be a check on 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 irresponsible bank managers. Uh, you know they we have the investors who are check on them the irresponsible bank managers would lose their all their money if they irresponsibly manage the bank as they did here but the depositors can be an additional check but as Matty Glacius pointed out no depositors being a check means when they think a bank is in trouble they move their money out that is what happened here they that, were that being a check causes the panic and it right. was a disaster so if, if that's the way you want to have accountability uh you know uh discharged 
Uh, you're going to have a lot of bank failures and everybody's mm-hmm. going to run to the big banks. The big banks are going to get all the money because they're too big to fail. And uh, and all the community banks are eventually going to be, uh, you know, wiped out. Yeah. Uh, they're not. Uh, so there has to be some change. Either they have to raise the deposit limit radically or what's so terrible about a system where all depositors are guaranteed and only the uh, you know, the, the accountability system is just that the, if you're an irresponsible bank ma- manager, you lose everything. Well, I'm not sure that's enough. I mean, I mean, I also wonder if the, the insurance acquires a credibility problem, you know, because the government, if it, you know, if there's only so much money it can actually print without uh, triggering hyperinflation. But I mean, let me say, I mean, speaking of David Sachs, he has an idea that largely makes sense. What, as I understand it, He's saying, first of all, you should distinguish between, you know, personal accounts and corporate accounts. Uh, Corporate accounts, these people, you know, they have to, as a practical matter, it's really hard for them to keep their accounts down to 250,000. Whereas most most people shouldn't, you shouldn't have a problem with that. Take the rest and put it in a money market, put it in whatever, an index fund. You know, there there are very secure places to put it that will make you uh, probably as much money as you'd make uh, in in a bank. Um, that's not a problem, but there is a practical problem with corporate customers having accounts that small. And so banks that cater to them, as I understand his idea, on the one hand, those banks, uh, the, the, all of the, the, the ceiling should be raised in terms of how much the government insures, but there should be a regulatory change that is sounds simple in principle, but I have a question about it. And, and, and it's just this, that, you know, banks have to submit evidence that their assets match their liabilities, right? The, the, the liabilities are, you know, uh, the, the deposit account, you know, the fact that all these depositors could show up at any minute and demand their money back, they've got to have assets that counterbalance that. The problem is that the assets may not be liquid and they may drop in value. And that's what happened with this bank. They bought uh, bonds at low interest rate. Then as, as interest rates went up, those bonds, you know, their long-term value remained the same. But if they had to liquidate them suddenly, they were now worth less. And and what, what Sachs says is that banks, uh, at least these banks that would have the higher ceiling on deposit insurance, the uh, should have to do what's called mark to market. When you list your assets, and and show that they match your liabilities, you have to list the present day value of the assets. So so if the treasury bond you're holding drops in value, you have to lower your listed assets. The question I have is, doesn't that require you to sometimes call up depositors and say, sorry, you got to get your money out of my bank. My total assets just dropped. I've got to cut my liabilities, right? I mean- I, th- I think what he has in mind is that they have to, uh, drum up more capital. Well, the market, the market idea is, uh, I think, se- I think, separate from 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 that. I mean, yeah, they would have to drum up more capital in that case. But how do you magically do that? Where where do you where do you, you can't just summon capital out of thin air? You got to buy I think, at your I assets. Think you, you sell shares and dilute your ownership. Stake. Well, I suppose. I suppose. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to turn off this heater. I think it's making noise. Hang on. Okay. Meanwhile, I will uh, share with people. While Mickey's away from the computer, I j- computer, I just like to point out that 
child tax credit is. Oh, whoops! There he is. Um. So there is there is some child tax credit news, but okay, we go. First, Mickey, yeah. I wanted to say, did you hear? Did you Not hear about? Did you, did you hear about the Princeton news? Big Princeton news yesterday. You beat Arizona. Well, yes, yes. But everybody said you beat the number one team. They're only the number two team. I know it is. I mean, first of all, let me say. I think they're the only the number two team in that bracket. That's correct. It's a 16-team bracket. Yeah. It is almost like what they did in 96 when as the number 16 seed, they knocked off number one UCLA. Uh, this time it was 15 knocking off two. But still, not nothing. And uh, by the way, how's Harvard doing in the NCAA? Oh, that's right. Oh. I forgot they're not even in it. Sorry. Didn't mean to rub salt in that one. I haven't followed Harvard basketball since James Brown was our star player. The James Brown? No, the big, the oh. the the somewhat portly gentleman who's like been a sportscaster for fifty years. They 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 had a, Harvard had a very good team a few years ago, but then I think they got into some trouble. But anyway, they had a losing season this year. And again, and, anyway, congratulations about that. Um, I Mark, guess you know. Yesterday, Arizona. Tomorrow, Missouri. Mark my word. Uh, I, I felt you might. Are you going to do the tiger cheer for us? I don't that, know. But that thing I, they do where know, they beat their chest. I don't even. Here's something shameful. Yeah, that's a, that song, Old Nassau. I, I I don't know the words. It's it's embarrassing. I know the chorus, three cheers for Old Nassau. It's embarrassing if you know it. It's embarrassing if you don't know it. Yeah. So Either really way, no you're in trouble. Um, so, the, anyway, the other issue with the... Uh, anyway, I, I don't know quite how to how to with the with the obviously you need you know sex after after basically lobbying for this bailout that the Silicon Valley Bank got and getting a lot of grief for it. Uh, you know how dare you you know libertarian venture capitalists drum up a government bailout? He is for more government regulation of the sort that you say. Right, uh, and obviously that's going to happen. Uh, Ro Khanna is is Ro Khanna for something. president. This uh, is, this and, is and, my and, weekly Ro Khanna for president. Uh, anyway, uh, I, he may just be representing the Silicon Valley point of view. But there's going to be some more regulation. Um, uh, I, I I agree that something out of there's something out of balance with saying all depositors are insured, uh, and this is just money for the managers to play around with. And if they screw up, well, they lose everything. But, you know, the downside isn't that great. And the upside is huge. So mm. it's basically creating a perverse incentive for them to take wild risks. Um, maybe they could be held personally liable in some way. So there's a, an actual negative, not just like death not just that they end up at zero. No, but they actually are liable for millions of dollars. They, 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 the floor for them wouldn't be zero. You got nothing. The floor with, for them would be you owe millions of dollars. If you screw up, I don't know. There's there is something out of whack. But, no, but you're um, right. You're right that I mean, or I guess Matt Iglesias is right that there's a there's a problem when when the basic mechanics of the feedback system are also the mechanics of the panic. You know, it's like um, well, right. And, 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 and I guess you could you could tell them uh, are are people 100 percent protected if they go to a too big to fail bank? Maybe. Uh, you know, maybe there should be a haircut involved uh, in some of these options. If you go to a big to fail bank and it fails, you lose 10% or 5% or something. Mm -hmm. So the flight 
it is an automatic no-brainer decision. Hey, I'm pulling my money out of a regional bank and taking it to the uh, b- big five bank, which, as people point out, will lead to only five banks existing. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, I don't yeah. know. There's, there's I mean, this, hold- and, the, Go ahead. But the second issue is: was this caused by wokeness? And every there's a whole. Yeah, there's a Wall Street Journal piece that that had a line that went something like, I'm not saying that things would have been fine if this bank had been run entirely by white males, but never saw this inartfully. But there was also an inartful New York Times uh, debunking of that that said, you know, they, this this idea that wokeness, you know, racial preferences and wokeness uh, destroyed this bank is crazy. They, they had, they were, you know, more racially diverse than other people, but it's not like they had, they were like totally racially diverse, you know, like as if it's like that, it's like this very bad joke was this joke that I once saw a uh, black comedian give at the White House Correspondents Dinner where he said, you know, he's talking about being on a plane and he sees a black pilot and he says, good brother, we're, we're moving ahead. And then then he, he sees that there are two black pilots and he goes, whoa, wait a minute, okay? <laughs> the New York Times, and nobody laughed. Nobody, Even if they thought it was funny, they couldn't laugh. He got this joke totally bombed. But the New York Times was basically saying that. It's not like they had two black pilots, then, then they might have a case. No, that's not what the New York Times meant to say. They meant to say that even if they had a wildly diverse board, mm-hmm. there's no reason to think it would be incompetent. So uh, the competence issue is one, you know, everybody says, well, they, 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 this bank went broke because they invested in these long-term funds without a hedge against uh, rate increases. Well, why did they do that stupid thing? The, affirm, the anti-woke uh, argument is they did it because they were incompetent. They were incompetent because they weren't chosen on the basis of competence. It's hard to refute that. You can't automatically refute it. It seems implausible to me. Well, it's hard to refute it because you, no you have no access to any evidence that would shed any light on it at all. Well, there is some evidence that they were incompetent. They fucked up. Well, collectively they were, but you have no idea who supported right. what on the board. Right, but you can't refute it. You can't prove it. It right. seems exactly. implausible. So it's the like, same... is there life after death? And if you want to spend the rest of the podcast so, addressing that, we can. But can we talk about no, Ukraine but I'm, or something? I'm, 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 I'm saying that this easy dismissal that had nothing to do with wokeness oh. is way too easy because it might have. The other thing it might have, it might have done is it, the, all the wokeness might not have been window dressing. It might have been an actual distraction to these people. I don't think, I think that's implausible too. I think it's more likely that they said, you know, we're Silicon Valley, we're hot and we don't have to hedge or something. I don't know. But uh, well, I'm unlikely I, I, to be woke us, but you can't dismiss it. I await uh, evidence that these white males were saying, no, let's don't invest in long-term treasury bonds. I'm betting against it, but maybe it's there. Um, um, so uh, it's, it'd be more likely to, anyway. <laughs> yeah, you, whatever you're about to say was probably a good idea. Look, not to I say know it. there's there's a, there's a railway, uh, a famous like you know two street uh, funicular railway in Los Angeles called Angels Flight, and uh, you know a, a couple of decades ago it was rebuilt by an all by a female headed construction team, and they were you know they were all got a lot of press because they gave this contract to a women's construction team. Okay, this thing fell apart. It's been in disrepair for two decades. They're not even fixing it. The construction team did a totally shitty job. Now, mm-hmm. 
you can't prove that the construction team was incompetent because they were women. But it sure seems like a... Wait, the actual people who did the constructing were women carrying no, the heavy was run. stuff? No, I don't think so. It was run by women or owned by women. It was... Uh, but it didn't turn out too well in that sort of the logical way you think. And it's, it's, it's more than just nothing. So here we had a, a diverse bank that fucked up, okay? Like the like the Angel okay. Flight Railway. Okay, you should write you should write a piece. I think it's fascinating. I think I Let's, shouldn't write a piece. I think you should do whatever you want. If, the, do I get do I got a free? This is not fascinating. Let's move on button. I can push. Uh, yes, you do. You can always also do notice, that to me. Also, it's just a look. We have, there's no evidence. You said what you want to say. We have no evidence uh, that that sheds light one way or another on this. I I agree. I take okay. your point. Everyone understand okay. what you're saying. If you want to say more, go ahead. The no, floor no. is open. Yeah, you. Um, you know, and it it just seems kind of silly to go around. You know, it's just a classic tribal thing where everyone is bringing their presuppositions about what happened, and no one has a fucking clue what happened because the evidence we don't have access to the evidence. Um, so uh, Ukraine, uh, I would say, be concerned uh, about the the future of of uh, Ukraine because so first of all, Bakhmut. Uh. You know, I, I think I've been watching what, you know, the comments of people all across the spectrum, ardent Ukraine supporters, less ardent, you know, Ukraine supporters, very sober and objective people who, who favor Ukraine, but are very sober and objective. Nobody thinks it's a good idea to keep trying to hang on to Bakhmut right now. And except Zelensky, except Zelensky. And it. See, you know, and, and among the prices they seem to be paying, like there's like there's a, a place called Ardvika, a town about the, half the size of Bakhmut. It's starting to look exactly like Bakhmut in the sense that, that the Russians are slowly enveloping it. And some people say it's because they had to take resources from there to 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 uh, try to persist in holding out in Bakhmut. And another problem, by the way, I don't know if you remember, but but a few weeks ago, I said, well, it, it looks like. Um, you know, they could just leave Bakhmut and then there's these hills to the northwest and southwest. They just occupy those and they're and they can rain hell down on Bakhmut. Because remember, Bakhmut is in a bowl. That's one reason it's not a strategically valuable town. Towns on hills can be strategically valuable. Bakhmut is in a bowl. You could you can you can rain artillery fire down on it. Um, and it it looks like I, I only just realized that apparently, uh, at least according to this one seemingly authoritative tweet. Uh, what 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 has happened now? The Russians now occupy that high ground because Ukraine concentrated their troops in the town because it was so symbolically important. Rather than put a bunch of them on those hills and defend the hills, how how many troops do they have? Uh, the I've heard up to ten thousand. I don't I don't know thousands, and, and they did have more. There has so been it's, like, not, it's not like 120 where it's like the Alamo and if they get wiped out, they're a national cause. And no, but they're expending a lot of valuable ammunition. Uh, they are getting troops killed and maimed whom they're going to need. And they would have been, uh, I think, much better off doing what I just suggested, uh, you know, backing up and trying to secure these hills or just getting the hill out of there because. Further back uh, toward Kramatorsk and Slavonsk, the big, bigger cities, you know, the, the terrain is very favorable to, to defense. So, so even now that they've lost the highland, they're still right near Bakhmut. They're still better off uh, vacating. Now, 
Um, if you ask, why are we doing this? Well, I, I think it is political. Zelensky visited Bakhmut in December, vowed that it wouldn't fall. And the best guess is that it's become this big political thing for him. And what is worrying is that I think they may repeat this mistake with this coming offensive uh, in the spring. I'm also hearing a lot of vibes like this offensive, things aren't looking that great for it. Because for one thing, you know, to do an offensive as opposed to playing defense, you really need good and experienced troops. And they're mainly dead or maimed. There was a, 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 I think it was a Washington Post piece that was really downbeat. And it quoted at length this Ukrainian battalion commander who has since apparently been demoted for speaking to the Washington Post reporter, who was just grimly candid. He's like, the troops were get, these are all mobilized troops now that are showing up. Uh, and, and they don't want to be there. If they wanted to be there, they'd have already been there. They wouldn't have had to be mobilized. And, and right. there's a lot of that on the Russian side, too. That's why both both teams are well-suited to defense, not to offense. And uh, and this guy was saying, look, these guys show up. They're, 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 they're literally afraid to fire a gun. These guys, the guys were getting are hopeless. I mean, he was totally candid. He paid the price for his candor. But, you know, uh, there, there's I, I, I've got bad, a bad feeling about this. And. Yet, I think they will persist. It, it, it's like a political issue, very much the way Bakhmut is a political yeah. issue. You know, they've committed to it. They think they have to do it. They think they need a successful offensive to keep securing weapons from the West. At least that's I, how they I, got so in. The, argu the argument they made on the radio uh, yesterday was uh, that um, they're, they're, they're sucking in Russian troops that otherwise would be deployed attacking other towns. So they're in effect protecting other towns by holding out uh, until they can launch their offensives. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you listen to that's that's the line. It's been the line all along. If you listen to Michael Kaufman, who is seems pretty objective, though clearly pro Ukraine, he says, "Look, that made sense for a while. It made sense through December. The the uh, exchange ratio or whatever of casualties was very favorable to Ukraine, and he." You know, he has trouble saying these things because he just came back from Ukraine. He always says, man, I love these Ukrainians. They're so gung-ho. I ha love hanging out with these guys. I think he is. I think maybe he was born in Ukraine or is of Ukrainian ancestry. So he's going to have trouble coming back and raining on their parade. But you can tell, like, like he says, this offensive, it can work. I mean, that's as far as it'll go. I, I don't think he'd bet money on it. And a lot of people are betting heavily against it. And let me just emphasize how disastrous I think it could be. Right now, I mean, they do have a lot of troops. They've been, they've been, uh, you know, building up for this. They're, they're mainly mobilized troops. Okay, but they're training them. They're fresh. And they're going to go into this offensive. And they're going to get some equipment. They're going to get some, you know, uh, armored vehicles and so on. Uh, they're going to have some stuff to work, to work with. I imagine <clears throat> America will go deeper into its own artillery ammo reserves than it has. Uh, to, to to make sure they're well stocked. Um, but, you know, when you're on offense, you take the brunt of the casualties. You're the one that gets chewed up. So they could well come out of this offensive suddenly lacking what I think they have now, which is the ability to hold the lines defensively all across the line for a very long time. And, and you know, that could be uh, catastrophic. And there's one other thing that worries me about it. It's just the way it plays into the question of, remember, 
Russia in principle has way more reserves to bring into the battlefield in Ukraine. That's the looming threat. They also have more ammo probably, but that's maybe soluble. The Institute for the Study of War is constantly saying they're running out of ammo. Yeah, some people think uh, some people think they are. It's not impossible, but of course, as we know, the Institute for the Study of War tends to stress themes like that. Um, you know, it, it's yes, uh, I was mocking them. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, and what worries me is you know, and the question is how much does Putin feel he has the political support for mobilization? And I don't know. Russia's a black box to me, but it does seem to me that. If Ukraine starts an, an offensive that is pointed at Crimea, which this offensive is almost certainly going to be, it's going to be in the south, and they start making some inroads, which they will, um, and, and, and Putin can say they're coming after Crimea, which an overwhelming majority of Russians, as I understand it, wants Russia to hang on to, he'll have an easier time mobilizing than, than, uh, than if Ukraine just plays defense, strengthens their lines all along the way, and just says, okay, come at us. And every time Russia tries, they get chewed up. And, and so it becomes a kind of stalemate. At that point, he's going to have more trouble calling up more troops, I think. The Russians are going to say, like, why don't we just do a peace deal? Nothing's happening. You know, what? so I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm very worried. Uh, what? There, there's, there's a lot of news about these airplanes. Uh, Poland promising four, four jet fighters. I think they're MiGs. And they're, they're some... some Somewhere along the way, they got some American planes that take six months to train for. But do they are they a decisive uh, advantage? Why not wait for them to launch your offensive? Can they if if they get four planes? Can these four planes suddenly start attacking Russian troops around Bakhmut, or do they do they immediately get shot down by Soviet planes? Uh, my I mean, impression I, I, is that Russia does not control the airspace. I don't know what that means, well, but it, you I guess it means they they have dogfights. Ukraine has had MiGs all along, and I don't think they've all gotten shot down. So I don't think this would be transformational. Uh, you know, the F-16 is a better plane, I'm sure. But uh, but but what Kaufman says is, look, in order of priority, what you need is more artillery ammunition, uh, more and more artillery barrels because they wear out, more anti-aircraft missiles, ammunition, and more anti-aircraft installments. And then after that, I think he'd go with uh, more armor, including tanks, but also uh, at least as important, probably infantry vehicles. I think he'd say all that before he got to planes. Um, so I, I don't. I I, I think it, I think all that is overdone. The plane stuff. Okay. Uh, and look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the offensive will go great, but it, it, it worries me. And uh, and I don't know. I I don't think it's the way to to uh, to wrap this war up fast. And I I just I just worry it's going to lead to only bad things for Ukraine itself. Well, if you think a deal comes when both both sides are pessimistic, that would take care of the Ukrainian side. Yeah, exactly. Of- but but it would be asymmetrical. That's the problem. Yeah. Then then if Ukraine is so depleted that Russia can. Uh, push toward the Dnipro River, it can, uh, river, it can break through somewhere, then, then Russia doesn't want to do that. That's why I'm right. saying man the defensive lines and turn it into a stalemate. And, and we should be encouraging that. And we should not leave them under the impression that the only way uh, we won't completely desert them is if they stage this uh, 
this probably long shot offensive, which will have some gains, you know, fine. But I, I just, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, what else is there? The, um, uh, the, the country that's being deserted uh, is not Ukraine, it's Israel. Uh, did you see that poll? On, majority of Democrats now favor the Palestinians over the Israelis. But the majority uh, of, 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 of Democrats. Who? Not Republicans, but it's like 45 to 37. Wait, what was the who, reading who, of the poll? Like, it said, who do you like better, Palestine? I think it's like, it's, it was sort of like, who who are you rooting for in this, war, in this fight? Yeah. Oh, come on. I mean. Uh, whose side are you on? Well, that that, that says something, and, and, and the yeah, answers but, say something. And it is stunning that the Democratic Party would turn against Israel. That's just stunning. I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it, but it's, uh, it's uh, very, very dramatic. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was just watching this very good documentary by Julia Baca uh, called it's either boycott or the boycott. It's about the all the laws in the states that are uh, that punish support. Like It's like it's like you know, the case in Texas was a woman had been working as a speech pathologist for for the state for the university or the state. She had a state contract. And all of a sudden she gets a contract and it says, if you want to keep your contract, if you want to keep working the state, you have to pledge that you will not boycott uh, Israel or support a boycott for Israel. And, you know, it's a it's clear free speech issue. The Supreme Court has, uh, in the civil rights era, ruled that a boycott, as I understand it, was protected speech. So anyway, it's a good documentary, uh, really worth watching. But the interesting thing to me is I had heard that, you know, BB has kind of given up on, uh, like, he relies so heavily on the Christian evangelical part of his American base that he barely bothers with Jews anymore. And there's this uh, scene in the in the uh, in the documentary. And you know the, the the boycott thing. You know Israel and the Israel lobby were involved in setting up these laws. They're basically identical laws that have been passed in most American states. You know, it's just like boilerplate language that that these. Uh, that were sent to these conservatives, you know, and there's a scene where the rabbi of the largest synagogue in Little Rock, you know, says, I didn't even hear about this law until after it was passed. So the, the Israel lobby wasn't even bothering to go through the Jewish power structure, right? They're like, no, we, we can just do it with the evangelicals and, and, it's, and, and it's easier. And I think um, that's, what and the and the and the legislator that they interviewed from Arkansas was this hardcore evangelical, and you know they get him to like admit with some regret that yes, the Jews will go to hell if they don't see the light before before uh, Armageddon, and it's coming. Uh, but still, he's he's uh, very anti boy. I'm not sure that's true. I once I once heard a very detailed account of Armageddon, and the Jews just get thrown in with everybody else, and like there's a big thousand year fight. They don't go directly to hell. Anyway, which account was this? I forget. It was, I, I just think that's a myth. That, was that in and, left? And, did you watch the Left Behind movies? This was from one of the authors of the Left Behind left books. Behind. Well, he would know better than I what's going to happen. Uh, it's it's uh, like um, but, but the, me, Jews, the Jews are there with the people who have deposits over $250,000. But, but anyway, yes. I mean, They're look, not protected, but they're not necessarily consigned to hell. Look, for years and years, the Israeli government has been making it easy for liberal Democrats to get alienated by it. I mean, you know, uh, Bibi himself, 
you know, first of all, uh, but the current government, I talked about it a week or two ago. I mean, these guys yeah. are scary. Um, what is he, is BB the big loser? I haven't found anybody who actually, well, there was one person who said it in this uh, rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia. I mean, BB was trying to have a big anti-Iran coalition and if the Saudis are, are making nice with Iran, that would seem to distract it. I also saw another account that said, well, do not be fooled. Iran and Saudi Arabia will not be friends. They just recognize each other diplomatically. Uh, you said this was a good thing for the region. Why is it a good thing for the region? And Well, if it helps wind it down mean? the war in Yemen, I mean, that's essentially a proxy war between Iran and... I mean, there, there were... There were local uh, issues for a long time, uh, civil war and so on, but it, it has become to some extent a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And if, if it's it's a horrible thing, tons of people are suffering and dying. And uh, and uh, I mean, not not at the rate that they were, I think, but uh, if they can actually bring it to a final resolution, that would be wonderful. Um, now, uh, I, I've heard conflicting reports. I just heard a podcast last night where some guy said eh, Israel doesn't they're not all that deeply concerned about this thing. But I've also heard that they are, so I don't know. It's weird. When we when Trump killed Soleimani, uh, their, Soleimani's defenders were saying, he was there to negotiate a peace deal with Saudi Arabia, and you killed him just as he was about to negotiate this deal. That, that now seems quite plausible. Yeah, was and, it uh, Saudi Arabia? Anyway, yes, there was some, some, some sort of uh, Persian-Arab... Uh, deal he was trying to uh, apparently broker or or be part of, and uh, that's I think why he was in Iraq. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. Don't remind me. I mean, uh, Trump was such a you know, we had the nuclear deal, and the Trump Trump was just disastrous. Uh, the, uh, if Saudi Arabia now invests heavily in Iran, if it's uh, that means the sanctions are ineffective and the nuclear deal isn't going to happen, right? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I don't think Saudi Arabia has the potential to, uh, you know, alleviate nearly all the strain Iran feels from the sanctions. But look, that thing is, at this point, uh, I don't know. I mean, America's never, the Biden administration has never very vigorously, seemed to very vigorously pursue a restoration of the deal. They didn't seem that interested from the get-go. So we, we put John Kerry on the case, didn't they? No, they didn't. No, that was that was uh, post carry. They they, uh, they did have Rob Malley, who in theory should be good, but there was uh, I mean, and I think uh, in in fairness, they were getting a pushback from like Bob Menendez in the Senate, who uh, maybe was holding up nominations uh, and so on, and giving uh, making it hard uh, for them to. Bob Bob Menendez is a is a Democratic candidate for the Island of the Dicks. Oh, he's they, totally bad news, 100% bad news. Okay, so you, he's a Democrat on your island. So that's that's one. Yes, yeah, it, yeah, it's a little different. I mean, he's just substantively, ideologically troubled. Yeah. He also has one of the worst reputations for corruption of anybody in yeah, the Senate. Yeah, he keeps getting almost indicted. I mean, do it. Oh, he did get indicted. He got put on trial, didn't he? Oh, okay. He keeps getting almost he convicted. Got it, he got acquitted, yeah. Now, Mickey, uh -huh. this, this alarm rang about seven minutes ago, which means we're approaching the hour mark. Um, we should probably adjourn. Do you have anything critical? Not critical in the sense of 
like critical Bob, but critical in the sense of important. Critical to our national interests. Yes. Not Exist a mere territorial. Do you have anything of existential importance? Not a mere territorial dispute. Uh, uh, no, we can go right to the parrot room. There are things to talk about in the parrot room. Yeah. Let me uh, say quickly, by the way, just a just footnote to the Xi Jinping deal. Now he uh, has announced he's going to uh, speak to Zelensky for the first time since the war started. It's apparently going to happen. He's he's going to meet Putin in Moscow. Then he's going to uh, talk to Zelensky by remote video. At least the Wall Street Journal reported this. So I'm trying to start the meme that like there should be like like uh, a big conflict between China and the U.S. in terms of who can do the most diplomacy. Like well, Biden and she should compete for top diplomats. I, 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 it, it is weird. We've, we've. I agree that if she can cut a deal, that'd be great. Uh, the, um, it is weird that we pulled back from the Middle East, and all of a sudden they all seem to be loving each other. <laughs> I mean, no. well, the results like, yeah. of our vacuum. This vacuum was filled by a bunch of peace deals. As uh, I said, as, as so, I said in the parrot room <laughs> last week, we are structurally ill-positioned to do good in the, in the Middle East. I'll leave it at um, that. Um, and, and, and if China is structurally positioned to do good, do good so much the better. And they, um, and they actually are, kind of, I think, yeah. They've just got less in the way of vested interests yeah. on, in the local actors going in. They can be, they can be more of, a, of an honest broker. Um, um, and, and do you think if they... If they gain respect as a world player in terms of diplomacy that sort of alleviates their paranoia? Probably not. Yeah, yeah, actually it they might. They might feel less encircled. It might, but I mean, first of all, if Biden and Xi do this thing where they're competing for diplomatic successes, the world will just be a giant love blob, Mickey, and all the problems will be solved. I don't think we're, we're not solved. competing. We're not in that competition because, <sighs> as you say, we're ill-suited to win it. No, but um, that's just in the Middle East. There's places where we can succeed. Okay. Um, you know that uh, the, the uh, war in Kosovo might heat up again. There's moves in Serbia to take it over. Yeah, you so, may know more about that than I do. No, uh, I just read a I just read a blurb of it, but maybe we could maybe hmm. we could cut a piece deal there. What the hell? Okay. So what do you want to talk um, about in the parrot room at patreon.com slash parrot room where people who wish us well and come uh, support us and listen to the way we talk when we have our hair down, so to speak. Oh, sorry, I, I, I hit another soft spot there. Because I don't have hair to let down? I wasn't going to put it quite like that, Mickey. Okay. Um, but as long as you mentioned it, that uh, is the case. Artificial, uh, artificial intelligence, Bob. You wrote a very good article. Oh, you read it. There's a wrinkle. There's a wrinkle. Um, but I, do you have, I wanted, a, do you have I a criticism? Should, uh Good, good. Uh, I want my, bring uh, it on. We'll, we'll, we'll do that in the parrot room. Um, not a big criticism. Uh, there's that. There is yep. uh, some hilarious uh, SBF news. Oh, good. Uh, there's... Um, They're trying uh, to ban TikTok. I got a thing or two to say about that. Okay. There's a, there's a virtually uh, Silicon Valley-wide conspiracy to ban TikTok. There's um, you're not. Do you still defend the metaverse? Did you ever defend the metaverse? There was a hilarious article on Esquire about what a pathetic, lonely, loser place it is. Um, I've had tremendous it, success there. Really, actually, you have actually, people. I've, who, never, I've never been there. Never you been found there. people who believe in 
global governance there? In uh, plant, planetary love blobs. Um, I haven't been uh, there, but but I do uh, in the long run. That is where we're all headed. Uh, that that that, and then the gooey pods that the AI is going to stuff us into. And by the way, the uh, the article you alluded to is in my non-zero newsletter. It's called "Okay, It's Time to Freak Out About AI." And by the way, it's gotten like uh, more than fifteen thousand hits from a place called Y Combinator News, which is apparently associated with Y Combinator, I guess. But Y Combinator is um, where my it's, friend it's, Richard it's, Rushfield went to raise capital for his publication, The Ankler. Well, and the current head of uh, OpenAI came from Y Combinator, Sam yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have, uh, let's see, um, uh, the great drummer Jim Gordon died. Okay. Things to say about him. Oh, I, I want to talk about Stevie Wonder on drums. We have, uh, uh, is Dukakis too wine track or too beer track, or do we not care about wine track and beer track? Possibly uh, the there is um, a new feature new, symbolized by this brushes with greatness. Mickey's holding Mickey's, up a toothbrush right now, folks. Mickey's, Mickey's brush with greatness with uh, it's a it's a it's a pun kind of with the actress Mira Sorvino, who's father was left out of the in memoriam segment on the academy awards you had a she, brush with her she is rightly pissed off about it okay small we'll brush. talk about it's that we can talk brush. about uh we can also talk about i'm holding a small brush we can also talk about other oscar related things um and uh, i'm talking about a documentary this is the Stevie Wonder thing, a documentary I saw called Summer of Soul. It's supposed to be very good. Anyway, um, and Sly Stone is 80. Sly and the Family Stone? I hope he's still not living, not still living in his Studebaker. Was he homeless at one point? He was living in his Studebaker. He was always a little uh, carefree, shall we say? He was known for showing up for concerts long after they had. No, he, he lost. He lost all his money. Yeah. So there were there were people trying to get money back for for him. I don't know okay. if they succeeded. Anyway. Anyway, um, we, we 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 digress. Plenty, plenty to talk about. Uh, yeah, yeah. I may even talk more about who knows uh, Ukraine bank reform and how about those Princeton Tigers, folks? And I can elaborate on my. You don't want to be number two. You want to be number three theory of romance. Yeah, because that was a real. Uh, that was a hit. That was that was captivating. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll we'll be doing that. All right, Parrot Room, patreoncom slash room. Won't you be my number two? Won't you be my number two? Or failing that, smash the like button. See you around.